0: This interview was conducted prior to the sag After strike, and we at The Derek Duvall Show remain committed to those standing on the picket lines fighting for their rights.
1: Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's The Derek Duvall Show! prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duval production bunker. it's Derek
0: Duval Hello Duval Nation hello hey everybody hi thank you so much please everyone sit thank you. Hello, DeVall Nation, and welcome to the Derek DeVall Show. <laughs> we are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash DerekDeVallShow. That's better, hel Derek DerekDeVallShow. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Partik Saran. He was a great guest, and I learned an incredible amount about password protection. If you have not had a chance to check out his product, Uno, I encourage you to do so. And also, if you've not heard our in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 187, and we have a fantastic episode on it for you today. We have on the show the incredible Nicole Eggert. Now, Nicole is a famed actress appearing in countless television shows and films and is best known for her work on Charles in Charge and, of course, Baywatch. Nicole will be talking about growing up as a beauty pageant contestant turned actress, her various roles working with Corey Haim, Baywatch, and we will talk about her incredibly popular podcast, Perfectly Twisted, and The Art of Podcasting. Lots to cover, so let's get Nicole out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show. Calling in today from our home in Los Angeles, California, Nicole Eggert. <laughs> Nicole, good evening. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today?
2: Well, it's finally beautiful. I mean, it's very strange to say for a Southern Californian, but it has been the longest winter ever, and we finally have some sunshine and some breeze and the weather is perfect today. Today, nice. I can only speak for today because it will change tomorrow. But today is gorgeous. Where
0: are you calling in from?
2: I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California.
0: Oh, nice. You know, it's funny. I've had other guests from there from from L.A. and from Southern California, and they've all been telling me about this horrendous spring and winter you guys have had. It's just basically one long wet season, I think.
2: Yeah, and you know, we're not used to it. And listen, we're big crybabies,
0: but
2: (laughs) we live here for a reason, right? And we are accustomed to it. And I kid you not, it affects the mood. It affects people's mood when you're not used to it and you're not used to gray weather day after day after day. Like everybody's like depressed, everybody's like in their pajamas. It it really affects the whole city. It's, It's interesting to watch actually.
0: You know, it's amazing. I lived in San Diego for five years and I remember raining down there maybe 10 times in five years. So I understand.
2: Yes. So for us to have had this much rain, global warming is real, people.
0: (laughs) Very true. So with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world?
2: Well, I'll be honest, there were so many stages of it. So at first I didn't really take it that seriously, you know, media is so much propaganda and hype and fear. And then one day I was at home and I'm busy working. And then I said, I think this could, there is something to this. Like when they started saying the kids are going to be sent home from school for four weeks, I suddenly had to take that very seriously because that meant, you know, having my child home every day, all day. And what does this mean? So I went, I ran and I said, I'm going to go stock up at the market and I walk into the the grocery store and it's empty, like empty shelves, everything's gone. And I literally, kid you not, broke down in tears. I just started crying out of like the visual of it all because I never in my lifetime would I have imagined and I was like, okay, get it together, get it together. What can you survive on that they have here? And I ran around to a few different stores. So I bought as much like fruit as I could find. I really, all I could find was bagged oranges. <laughs> I bought canned food for the first time in my life. I've never bought canned food. And, you know, just, there was a panic of, I'm a single mom. I'm a hundred percent of a single mom. There's no dad in the picture. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is on me. This is on me to protect her and I. My eldest, uh, she's living in New York. So she's on the other side of the country. So that's a whole other panic, but she's taking care of herself. And it just was at first ridiculous, you know, panic, getting dressed outside, (laughs) you know, I'd run to the market, get undressed outside and then come in the house to then saying, okay, let's go outside. And let's like, enjoy the nature there was no aircraft you know we live very close to airports so the sky was gorgeous there was be- there was a lot of beauty in it if that makes any sense there was a lot of lot less noise less pollution it was a beautiful it was beautifully visually and i just took the time to slow down i took the time to slow down get healthy i immediately got really strict with my diet and my exercise and just started looking at things a little bit more seriously.
0: You know, uh, believe it or not, I've been doing this show now for three years, and I think that might be my favorite question I ask. And the reason being is the various stories people tell them stories of that time of their lives. It was almost like a like an almost like a renaissance period for human history. People picked up an instrument for the first time. They wrote a book. They directed that movie they always wanted to direct. You know, what I mean, and like you said, you you got healthy. You know, I mean, that it's it's incredible. That's the that, the stories that come out of that period
2: it really, you know, after all said and done, it really was life changing and people can make fun and it sounds a little cliche and all of that, but the world really did slow down and stop for a minute and it made you reevaluate. And it was weird because once life started picking back up again, I was like, but what was I doing every day, all day? Cause suddenly I'm just happy (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm happy just like taking care of the house and the kids and like living and it was like to get back to life actually was harder than the adjustment of slowing down, which I find interesting and you know, only, and, and I think it's America for the most part is that we just overdo everything, Everything's <laughs> too much, over the top, constantly going, you have to be busy all day and it's just like, I hope people realize like it's enough. enough, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of perspective gained in this in this event. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there?
2: I was born right here in Los Angeles. Both of my parents had moved here. My mother was from London, England. My father was from Staggott, East Germany. He had made his way to Australia and then made his way to America. And ironically, they met in Hollywood. <laughs> literally at some, through friends at some club, some nightclub, something like that. She got Prego. I was born in Glendale and she was living in Glendale. He was living in Hollywood. And then they built a home in Huntington beach, California, which is about 45 minutes South of LA. And um, I grew up between there and Los Angeles with these European parents.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How important were those beauty pageants when you were young?
2: Well, for me, it was a nightmare. You know, for me, it was like, I was the kid climbing the tree. I was at every event of those beauty pageants, just eyeing the pool. And my mom would say, get out of the pool. You have to have a dress on, you know, and it was not my passion. It was not what I wanted to be doing, but my mom saw something like for her, you know, she grew up, they grew up during world war II. Let's put that into perspective. They, they both were older. They grew up in World War II, moved to America, had this child that looks like a product of her environment. I look like a Southern California girl. And my mom was like, here, here's a life. You know, this is the way you go. This is what you do. And so it was sort of her doing. I just went with the flow. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Wearing a pretty dress. Do I get to go back in the pool? <laughs> that was Those were my questions.
0: Fair enough. Now, the story reads that an agent spotted you and offered you a commercial. Is that correct? Yes. Did you always have an eye on being an actress?
2: No. I mean, I was four years old. Hmm. You're talking about a four-year-old. She put me in the pageants, and I I won Miss Universe, which in those days, they had a petite division for little girls. And it was a televised pageant. So I, it was televised. And from that is when the phone started ringing about Johnson's and Johnson's baby shampoo, you know, you name it. They started calling and my mom was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And yes. And that's where it all began.
0: Do you remember your very first paid acting role?
2: I do. It was a Johnson's and Johnson's baby shampoo commercial, oh. which, um, you know, i would used that product my whole life. Bath time was like, you know, the biggest thing in my life at four. So for me, it was exciting. It was fun. Then it was like Mattel. I did a lot of Mattel commercials, Barbie, you name it. And so those were, it was really exciting because you got to see the new products that weren't out yet that they were promoting. So it was very exciting actually as a child.
0: How long were you doing commercials before you finally realized, you know, hey, I want to kind of do this, want to stick with it and keep going?
2: I'm still, I'm still wondering. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't got there yet. No, I I guess at about five, six years old, I did a um, movie of the week where I played Cheryl Ladd and Robert Yerick's daughter in a, um, a movie of the week called When She Was Bad. And it was about child abuse. And it was a very big role for a little girl. And that's when I realized, like, I loved the process. I love the process of being on set. I love getting to know a crew. I love the way the production works. And that's sort of when I fell in love with the idea that there's more to it because commercials are like, you know, a day, two days, maybe three days. And this was something that went on for weeks and, you know, you create this family, this bond, and, and that's sort of where I fell in love with it.
0: What are your favorite memories working on Who's the Boss?
2: Well, you know, it was a top show at the time. It was, you know, got great ratings. It was a hit show. Alyssa Milano was like, you know, the coolest chick on TV. Her and Christina Applegate were like the girls. So it was an honor. And it was neat for me because I got to learn something new that four camera sitcom production is so different in front of a live audience. I hadn't done that before. So that was very new for me, which set me up for success later in life. And everybody was so great on that set, such great talent to learn from. They were a well-oiled machine. Tony Danza is like one of the best of the best in the business. And like, I have nothing but positive things to say about that and that it taught me so much. It it really taught me a whole other side of production. And it's, you know, because a sitcom, obviously, is sitcom works very different than a filmed show. So it was this whole learning experience. And when you're young, you pick it up pretty quickly. So it wasn't as nerve wracking. You know, you go into a room and they like tape off. They would have like, the rooms were pieces of tape on the floor and you were supposed to know what this meant. You know, like this is the kitchen. This is the kitchen island. You know, it was like being on a construction site. So it was, you know, there was a lot of learning and they were all very patient and willing to teach. So it was amazing
0: you know it's funny i've seen a few of those episodes in syndication in the last i'd say about the last couple months actually the show holds up pretty well
2: i bet i haven't i haven't watched it in a very long time but i would bet because those writers were a plus the acting was a plus like yeah why not i wish they would have more tv back like
0: that yeah i agree how did summer quinn on baywatch come your way
2: So Summer Quinn was a character introduced to me when I was leaving Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge was ending. Our executive producer, Al Burton, was teaching or showing, should I say, the producers of Baywatch because they had just aired on ABC, I believe it was, and were canceled. And they wanted to do a syndication trial. And Charles in Charge was one of the first to be successful at a syndication run. Because it had been on a network and canceled. And Albertan brought it back as a syndication, syndicated show and had a lot of success. So they came to him and said, can you show us the way? And he said, well, let's do a spinoff. Let's do a show. And it was going to be a Malibu High, sort of like a 90210 meets Baywatch. And he said, and Nicole will be the lead. And they said, yeah, great. Let's do it. And so we went over there and there were a lot of us that from Charles in Charge that went to Baywatch. And, you know, they really, once they introduced this new cast and they came back in syndication, they didn't really like the idea of the spinoff anymore because they didn't want to change it. <laughs> they, they had such success with the new formula that they were like, no, we want to leave it like this. Like, let's not change anything. And I was like, well, that's not part of the deal. <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the original deal. And so it was the, it was the beginning and yet the demise all at once. And that's why I left so early because it just wasn't what we had agreed upon. And it wasn't what was in my, you know, that that's not what I had envisioned. So I I had to bow out gracefully, but.
0: And that was, you know, the next question is, you know, how much training do you go through in preparation for such a role like that?
2: Well, I was 19. I didn't. I didn't. I came straight back from um, Canada, um, where I had been shooting um, multiple movies with Corey Haim, and all I did was go get my hair done, like literally. And, and I was like, you know what? Cut it off because I knew Pamela had been cast, and I knew Pamela from *Charles in Charge* and loved her, but she had that long blonde hair, and I had the long blonde hair, and I was like, cut it off. I was supposed to be the young rookie lifeguard, anyways. Um, I wasn't supposed to have made it yet. So I was like, let's go for the more of the jock, more of the athletic look. Let's do that. And that's really all I did. And I got in big trouble for it. <laughs> they did not like that idea whatsoever, <laughs> but it was too late. I had already done it. And you know, like, listen, I was the only one that smoked cigarettes on the set. Like it was, I was so out of place. There was no preparation. I had never worked out. I was like, what are you guys doing? So, you know, there wasn't a lot of prep.
0: Was the Baywatch family pretty tight-knit? Do you guys all still kind of stay in touch or?
2: Yes, 100%. You know, I'm producing a Baywatch documentary. We've been shooting for four years. So we've really all caught up again, like in real life, not just, you know, on social media. And it's been wonderful. It's been such a beautiful full circle experience. And I know it's hard for people to sort of wrap their heads around that this Baywatch documentary is going to be beautiful. It's not it's not anything anybody's going to expect and it's really going to it's i think it's really going to touch people and i think people are really going to appreciate like how real it is and get to know everybody on a real personal level and just fun just really fun
0: that's amazing i'm looking forward to that cuz i've i've heard i've heard through the grapevine that there was <laughs> one coming out so i'm kind of looking forward to that myself so yes. yeah that's
2: it yeah. it's mine we're doing it cuz i had been shopping a baywatch project for a couple years And really all the networks wanted to do something like reality based. And I was like, "Ah, it's not it, not it. It's weird. Now all of a sudden it's us girls living in a house. I was like, no, 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 on some beach somewhere. And a friend, a good friend of mine, Matthew Felker, who is our director and executive producer on the, the documentary. We were chatting about it one day casually. And he's like, and we were actually discussing documentaries because we're both huge fans. And we were talking about, what have you seen? What have you watched? And he said, what about doing the Baywatch project as a documentary? And I was like, mind blown. Yes, that's it. Let's do it. Because then we have freedom, right? It doesn't have to be like in this house on a network. It doesn't have to be manipulated. And so we set off and we got it, we got it going and we got it done.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. what is there a anticipated release date?
2: The sales reel is at all, at all the streamers right now as we speak. So the deals are, you know, in talks and it's, it will definitely be streaming. It's a four part series. Whoever gets it's going to be lucky.
0: I can't wait to see it. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so I had the great Cynthia Rothrock on my show. She told me some hilarious stories of working with Corey Haim on Fast Getaway. You worked with him on three films. What are some of your favorite memories working with him on those films?
2: Oh, well, you know, Corey was always a good friend of mine and um, I met him right when he moved to Los Angeles from Canada when he had shot Lucas and we became close, fast friends. And Corey was just one of those like sparkly souls you know, you can't really put a word to it or you can't put your finger on it, but just sort of always in a good mood, always lit up a room, always had this like free spirit about him that was just charming and amazing and admirable. And you were just kind of in awe of it. Like, how can you just be so carefree like that? So I guess that's really sort of what i take away from him is um cuz he also had a lot of demons obviously there's a lot of dark side to it all um that i also was part of and witnessed but it's it was his like little his is like bright shiny light that it, just not everybody has that you know and i don't I, I can't even put it into words you had to feel it you had to experience it but he just he uplifted people he made everybody feel good he lit up a room. He just had that charisma. All those cliche words, but he was all of that. Yeah.
0: Right on. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Nicole Eggert. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right. Clouseau style.
1: Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the Good.
0: Please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back.
1: Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production allowing you to be the star of your show this is podcasting made easy how easy well so easy you don't even have to press record now that's easy your listeners are waiting let's deliver sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com easy hello
0: devall nation derek devall here Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours, too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I have been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I have been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring the Derek DeBall Show. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Derek DeVall Show. That's betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show.
1: Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now.
0: This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want
1: Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget
0: cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you.
1: Hi, everyone.
2: It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on, warriors.
0: We've got this. Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show is a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 187 of The Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with actress Nicole Eggert. How much fun was the roast of David Hasselhoff?
2: <laughs> Luckily, David really is good, was good at poking fun at himself. So it was easy to be able to laugh and not feel like on edge. I did feel a little bit uncomfortable when they would start attacking Pam because it was like this isn't her roast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why are you coming after her? And I could see her getting uncomfortable, but she's a trooper too. So, David he can take it. David can take it all day long. He can take it. He deserves it. He dishes it. He's amazing. Hmm. You know.
0: Yeah. It's fine. I've met Pam. She is hands down one of the sweetest ladies I've ever had the privilege of meeting.
2: Yes, she's very sweet.
0: Yeah. So as an actress, how far do you think the Me Too movement has come?
2: Well, I think it's come a long way. And I think that it's so important and people. I'm happy it's not forefront anymore. I'm happy that it's at a place where it's an understanding now, right? Like so, we don't have to scream me too. We don't have to stand up and keep screaming unless something, you know, specific happens. There's an understanding now that it's no longer acceptable. And and not just with me too, you know, across the board of just human rights. I think there's an understanding and you're on one side or you're on the other side of history. And, you know, you choose that side and and honestly, there's a right side and there's a wrong side. And I'm not usually one to say something like that, but there is. And it was well overdue. And I'm happy that it has happened in my children's lifetime. My girls, because I have two girls. So I think that I feel that our women are more protected. And if they, not that this stuff doesn't still happen, because it does, but they have, they have a space. To reach out they have people to reach out to there's a platform to speak where there wasn't before and i was part of that i had nowhere to speak about it and as soon as you did speak about it people would tell you to be quiet you know you don't say that don't just for the integrity of the show just be quiet don't say anything nobody needs to know and those days are gone now and um it's such a relief you know it's just such a relief
0: That's amazing All right, so Pierre de Couboutin said the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. If you get a chance to talk to your younger self, what would you say to her?
2: You know, I would tell her that she should believe in herself more and that everything was going to be okay. Because there's a part of me where when I was young, I was very carefree, did not give much thought to anything. But also on the other side of that coin was very insecure and deathly afraid to speak to people, very unsure of myself. So it was this battle within this little body. And, you know, if you could just, if I could go back and say, like, just relax, (laughs) you know, relax, speak up, say what you feel. It will be accepted and everything is going to be okay.
0: So what is next for Nicole other than the Baywatch documentary?
2: well i have a podcast so i'm i've joined your world it's called perfectly twisted it's going great we have about 15 episodes in um i'm loving it i didn't think i would because i was always definitely afraid of interviews <laughs> if i'm being fully transparent and i thought what am i going to talk about for an hour and the hour flies by it's been so fun and it's kind of nice to be able to just share a piece of like the real Nicole with people, if that makes any sense. Because I think everybody has like a, a perceived, a perceived notion of like who everybody is. And then especially since the me too movement and then the pandemic and it's like, ah, there's just all these things you could think about me, but you know, come sit with me and listen to like who I really am and, and all my twisted thoughts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Podcasting can be rewarding. It can be, it's, it's hard work, but it can be very rewarding.
2: Yes, because you have a freedom,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? There's a freedom. Yeah. How long have you been doing it? A long Four time. Years. Four years. Yeah, that's quite Four a years. while.
0: Yeah. Four years. And I've got to speak to people that in a million years I never would have dreamed to have a chance to speak to people like yourself. So, well, that's,
2: and what made you start? What made you like say, okay, I, I I'm going to do this? Like, not only an idea, but I'm actually going to do this.
0: I was a big fan of Johnny Carson. And I always, I always remember the old Johnny Carson shows where he would bring out people who weren't Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. It was always people like scientists, doctors, astronauts, people who are, you know, who deserve to be on the Tonight Show. And so I was like, you know, I always thought, well, that needs to come back. So I started seeking out these people who were doing these incredible things with their lives and giving them a platform to speak and get their voice, their story told. Because I'm not gonna lie to you, I have quite a, I have quite a reach now. And so these people are having their stories told and they're getting their own following now based on what they're telling on my show. So I feel like that's my gift to the world. It's it's a study in the human condition, I call it.
2: I love that. I love that. I love that for this world. Good for you. Yeah. It's interesting because like, so for my show, I said, you know, it's not that I want celebrities. I want to talk to like people who can have an interesting conversation. And people said to me, oh, no, no, no. Like you have to have celebrities, like the names, that's what's going to bring it. And I was like, you know, I'm just not going to fall under that, under that umbrella of it has to be this, or it has to be that. So you're inspiring to me because I've so far just brought in like, everybody's sort of been in my friend circle. Cause Mm -hmm. it's only, like I said, it's only 15 episodes. So somewhere between 13 and 15. So it's like, these are just still my friends, but I know that they have an interesting story and and you know so but moving forward you have to think about those things and i don't want it to be like a celebrity driven thing Mm -hmm. so i really admire you
0: the one for me that's been the greatest episode i ever put out was about three months ago and i spoke to an astronaut who was on apollo 13 he went Mm -hmm. to the moon i mean how many people can say they talked to somebody who went to the moon
2: no not many here i am not many and i have so many questions
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that, but that was one of the things. I like. I mean, I when I was given the opportunity, it's like someone told me, like, "Would you like to interview this astronaut?" I'm like, "Yes." I, I didn't even blink. I was like, "Absolutely." Are you kidding me? Yes, I would love this. It was one of the biggest episodes ever released, and it's still to this day. I still get dings on my phone about the listen count for it. It was it still goes through the roof. People still listen to it. I love that. Yeah,
2: that's it. That's what life. This is life. Yeah, and this is the. This is what is great about post pandemic. Because I don't know, my life is like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, The during the pandemic, like doesn't exist. But post-pandemic, it's like people are so much more open to listening. Listening, like, because everybody's slowed down, they listen, they are excited to learn new things, they're thinking outside the box a little bit more. At least these are my observations. I could be completely, you know, on the moon, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I feel like. And I love that because it's, you know, it just opens everything up so much.
0: Yeah. Now that it's, like I said, podcasting in itself, as long as you, like I said, there's 83 million podcasts out there. As of, I think last week I looked it up and you've got to do something to keep your podcast separate from everybody else's because everybody can just be a bunch of people sitting around shooting the sh- talking about whatever, or it could be someone with an actual subject and a purposely driven podcast. And those people with a subject and a purposely driven podcast are the ones that rise above the cream of the crop. And yeah. like I said, if you've got something that, that you've got something that you want to say and you have a method and a unique way of saying it, your podcast will succeed. Do
2: you feel like it needs to be like always on the same? Because like what scares me is talking about like being, what do you call it? Like maybe categorized is like you just talk about one thing all the time and get different perspectives on one topic i would get really bored really quick like doing it yeah for me i want it to be like really wide open and um and that also but you know that's a little alarming too because that you know sort of feeds into like my waftiness and my airiness (laughs) and like my unfocusedness um i know that's not a word but so it's like, do you think it needs to be more focused, or do you think it's cool to be like open to all different?
0: I think it'd be open to all different because, like I said, if you if you're coming on every episode and you're talking about the same thing, and you've got the same if you've got the same guest talking about the same thing as well, it gets stagnant. Right, people are, are going to tune out. If you come on with a different guest, or you got at least if you've got the same guest but you have a different topic. It keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh, keeps it, people coming back for more. Right. And there's nothing wrong with talking about the same thing, but just space it out. Like, okay, we're gonna talk about, say, you want to talk about uh, something that happened in the world today, talk about that thing. And you want to talk about it again? Wait a few episodes, then talk about it again. Wait a few episodes, and then talk about it again. But don't put it out back to back to back. Otherwise, exactly. you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose your base.
2: Yeah, I'm with you because otherwise you just have a fan base of like whatever just your topic is, right? So like, there's certain things that are like just on one show, and they just talk about that one show. Well, you're only going to get and and the audience might be huge, but you're only going to get that audience of that show. And then I'm as the host going to fall asleep.
0: Well, I mean, like I said, I mean you yourself, I mean you, I mean you are technically a celebrity you already have an established fan base. People are going to listen to your, your product regardless, but you, what I'm talking more lines like drawing people in new listeners who people don't know you, people who are going to discover your podcast. Those are the people you've got to really, really, really. go after. Yeah. So,
2: Good yeah. advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah,
0: All right. So as we enter the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. What do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax?
2: Ha. Huh. Okay. well, let me let me preface by saying I'm a single mom 100 percent single mom two kids I do everything I mean I do it all I work all day I take care of the kids I cook I clean I don't have a staff I'm super hands-on so for me for fun is literally quiet time with the tv like leave me alone or driving with the radio particularly loud um, and really kind of like beach days or hiking, like being in nature, quiet, good weather, fresh air, that sort of thing. Like really kind of being in nature and, and looking at like what's real,
1: hmm.
2: you know, putting everything back into perspective. But the beach is my happy, happy, happiest place. And, and then next is the mountains. I mean, I hike all around here in Southern California weekly. Mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm really quite simple
0: do you Runyon Canyon?
2: I do, but it's a little bit. Runyon Canyon is very crowded. It's very crowded. I like a more peaceful sort of quiet. I like it when you see coyotes and you can hear, you know, the eagle's wings. Um, and we've got a lot of that around here. So um, I try to kind of escape to those places. And anyways, Runyon Canyon and Fryman Canyon, you've got paparazzi. Oh, so you better be like, you know, on guard that you're not pulling man. your shorts out of your bum.
0: You know? and, and there's that.
2: <laughs> Which happens while you're hiking. I believe, so, you, I
0: believe you. I believe you. So,
2: you know, I like the quiet.
0: What kind of shows are you into right now?
2: I watch a lot of junky reality. It's like my escapism. And what else? I really love, well, I love TLC. I love Bravo. I kind of do that because I fall asleep right away. As soon as I put the TV on, like I'm out. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot, like if I'm being completely honest, there's not a lot of, but I love Yellowstone. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. That has got me hooked and I can't wait. Handmaid's Tale, like I, I, that could just be like an ongoing series that I could watch for the rest of my life. There's just not a lot of scripted that I get into because I just sit there and there's so many other things I need to be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So certain shows, I really appreciate the cinematography, the writing, the acting, all that, like Yellowstone, Handmaid's Tale. But otherwise, I really kind of just turn it on to feel sane and listen to other crazy people that are crazier than I am. And and I get to fall asleep knowing I'm not that crazy.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. All right. What would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online?
2: Well, you can find me at Nicole Eggert across all platforms. I also have perfectly twisted podcasts on all platforms. Yesterday, I literally just signed up on TikTok. I know I'm late to the game, but I, I needed to do it. So it's it's me, Nicole Eggert, or I'm Nicole Eggert. Oh, geez. See, I don't even know my own new handle. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm not even sure. But really, it's Nicole Eggert across all platforms. That luckily, I was able to get my name. And usually, they're verified, except for Twitter, where that guy took it all away, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm the unverified Nicole Eggert on Twitter.
0: Fair enough. All right, Nicole, I am my interviews with my favorite question. Okay. And, And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth?
2: Take better care of it. You don't need all the stuff. Quit with the plastic. Quit with the stuff. Just like live a simple life. All right. Love Nicole. your mother earth, right? I mean, no, am I alone in this? Like,
0: no, not, not at all. This. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. All right, Nicole. Congratulations on one hell of a career and for leaving your mark on pop culture history. My listeners join me in wishing you nothing but the best for your documentary. I can't wait to hear it.
2: Great. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so I'm so happy you're excited for it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Your success.
0: Oh, thank you. It's
2: not an easy feat. This is not an easy, it's not an easy job. People think it is. It's not. So I hand it to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 187. I want to thank Nicole for being such a great guest and for coming on the show. After the interview was over, we continued to talk about podcasting, and she is very passionate about the art. I wish her all the success in the world for the success of her show. And Nicole, you are welcome back on my show anytime. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tea Public. The Derek Devall Show has a great little store on there, and we have everything with a logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun T-shirts on there that Mrs. Devall and I added ourselves. So, please go to our website, DerekDevallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says "Merch." Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Devall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening. What are you planning on doing to manage your mental health this week? May I suggest a long walk at sunset, the twilight hours, provides some gorgeous visuals for the eyes to behold, and they are not only to known to inspire, but can bring you a sense of calm as you get some exercise and release those endorphins. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth.
1: This has been a recording of the Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.